This is Celebration Church, but it's more than just a building or a church. We have a calling to be a place where people can find a relationship with God instead of religion. A place where freedom is found and acceptance given, and every person can discover their purpose and experience the kind of fulfillment only God can give. Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. typically this point in the service where we welcome our campuses in Appleton and Stevens Point, but because of the storms yesterday, Appleton was completely without power this morning, and our Stevens Point campus was completely without internet. But I want you to know that our campus pastors, Pastor Chad and Pastor Bob, are making church happen in those places. So we're so encouraged by them and so thankful for everything they pour out. But while we're together here, would you all stand with me and we're going to recite the Apostles' Creed. It's our statement of faith as a church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, whom for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Christian church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, and the resurrection of the body. Amen. Amen. I miss that. You may be seated. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry, I missed that last one. Pastor Mark is still traveling this week, but he did want to say hello to all of us and introduce today's speaker. So I give you this morning, Pastor Mark Gunger. Good morning, celebration, and greetings from Ostrava in the Czech Republic, former Czechoslovakia. We have been here speaking at a big festival. It's kind of like a big hippie festival, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's like, anyway, hippies are alive and well. Tens of thousands of people here for concerts and listening to speakers like me. So we had some great crowds, all kinds of energy. We're enjoying this beautiful city. Check out the big drawing of a lady there. So cool. It's very cool. I want a picture of me like that. <laughs> <laughs> On the side of a wall. So anyway, uh, I'm doing better with my frozen face here. The eye is now better. Yeah. So I don't have to wear the... Uh, eye patch. The eye patch. So I no longer look like a drunken pirate. I just look like a drunk. <laughs> but <laughs> it is what it is. So hopefully, it'll start coming back to life. Yeesh. Uh, this morning, uh, we have a special guest sitting in for me, considering I'm having a hard time talking. Uh, Pastor Ani Jacobson, my mentor, and the founder, really, of what today is Celebration Church. Pastor Jacobson is uh, going to be sharing the word today. He was always a great encouragement to me. I can honestly say that in all of my adult life, he was the first and only man 
who looked at my gifts and talents and could see something. He's the one who encouraged me to do what I'm doing today. And I gotta tell you, Pastor Jacobson, I would have never guessed in a million years when you were first talking to me that I would be traveling the world in front of huge audiences who actually pay money to listen to me. <laughs> Nobody would listen to me. Droopy face and all. Droopy face and all. Really, they even like droopy here. <laughs> so uh, anyway, uh, all of you, let's give a big warm welcome to Pastor Arnie Jacobson as he comes this morning. Well, it is exciting to be here, and uh, Mark uh, texted me this week and said he's suffering from fallen face syndrome, and uh, so I was happy to step in, even though I'm missing my son-in-law, Josh, doing a concert at another church in town here. Praise God, it's great to be here. You know, it's interesting what you see in people, right? Sometimes you, 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 you do different things. You probably heard me say this, I think I've said it once or twice when I've been here, but uh, Reggie White and uh, myself and... Ed Gunger, and Mark, Ed, uh, Edgy, Reggie formed a little group of pastors, and we were his friends, so we had our first meeting at my house here in Green Bay, and <laughs> they came over, and we had the meeting, and Ed and Mark went back to <clears throat> Marshfield at the time, and Jan said to me, I is Ed's brother retarded? <laughs> <laughs> no, not retarded, uniquely gifted. And so you never know when you release someone how that will work. And, and one of the nicer things about getting older is that you see many of the people that you've had an opportunity in their lives to encourage them, like Keith and Becky. Keith was a, an engineer and uh, felt called to do what they're doing, and now they're doing such a fantastic job. And uh, I could go on and on and on. And it's, yeah, give, them, give them a great hand. And, the Fine Arts Festival is such a blessing. Uh, when we were in uh, Oregon before we moved here to start this church, uh, we had a relatively large church there, and we wanted to do, so they had been doing DVBS, and there's nothing wrong with Daily Vacation Bible School. But when I was a kid, and we'd get out of school, the week after we got out of school, they did Daily Vacation Bible School. It was like going back to prison. And, uh, <laughs> and now they taught us good things, but it was... You know, there's a time to really bring people together around a lot of different events and fun things and to see how this has developed. Uh, there's a sweet young uh, girl who's in college. It's a waitress at one of the restaurants, and she worked in fine arts uh, this week and found the Lord, I think maybe even her and her family, by coming to fine arts. So that's exciting for uh, me to see that happen and to see people expand their wings and people like Mark who are touching hundreds of thousands of people in a very unique way. I always say, uh, when we used to have marriage seminars, this is why I encourage Mark to start Laugh Your Way. I said, men don't like marriage seminars normally. Women will come with their notes. Oh, isn't that great? She's continually waking the guy up, you know. Most of those marriage seminars, the men feel like they're being nibbled to death by a duck. I mean, it's just, huh, sleeper time. And Mark has cracked through something, and men love, and ladies love his events. And there's something healthy and, and fulfilling about laughing, right? You know, laughing your way to a better marriage. Today I'm here to, to share a message that the Lord put on my heart about three weeks ago, and uh, I'm excited to be able to share it with you. It, uh, when I was searching in my mind for a title, some of you might recognize a part of it. The title of my message today is Make the Local Church Great Again. 
Woo! Maybe I should run for something. I don't know. There's older guys than me running for stuff, right? Make the local church. What, what am I talking about? Jesus hasn't changed. Jesus is great. I travel a lot. Everywhere I go, I see uh, buildings being built, uh, industries prospering. But you know what I'd like to see more of? I'd like to see every church that's preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ exploding at the seams. People coming to Christ by the hundreds and thousands, right? You know, I mean, we see it in the sporting events. I mean, the Packers will pa pack out a practice. The family night service, of course, you get in for 10 bucks. Uh, you should buy your tickets here and uh, grab a little of that profit for the kingdom. Uh, the Brewers. And you know, today, nothing, you know, if Mark could have texted, uh, let's say, Christian Yelich, say he was off. And you could go tell everybody, guess what? Christian Yelich is speaking at our church, all the single ladies would come flocking in and the sports fans and we'd have people sitting all over the place. We'd have to hang them off the camera up there. And are you there? <laughs> and I understand that to a certain degree, but you know what? We should be so excited about the local church that it doesn't matter, that you wouldn't necessarily even see the speaker. The power of God would get a hold of your life, right? If you have your Bibles, Turn with me to Acts, the 17th chapter, and uh, I'm going to pick it up a little further down, verse 4. We're going to read through verse 4 and 6. You can look at it. They'll project it there. And some of them were persuaded, and a great multitude of devout Greeks, and not a few of the living women, joined Paul and Silas. Now, Paul had come and was speaking in the synagogue. Now, you, you know, speaking about Jesus as Savior in a synagogue, you know, is like selling hot dogs there, too. I mean, it just it wasn't the way... They're not kosher, excuse me, but... <laughs> But this was a time, and, and Acts is the history book of the New Testament. In fact, we should be writing continued chapters of the book of Acts. We should keep writing chapters, and we should be on missionary journeys, and, and seeing great things happening for God. And some of them were persuaded, and in verse 5, but the Jews who were not persuaded became envious, took some of the evil men from the marketplace, and gathered a mob set all the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason and sought to bring him out to the people. Now, Jason was housing Paul and his group. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some brethren to the rulers of the city, crying, these who have turned the world upside down have come here too. When can we get to the point where the church is said to be turning the world right side up, into relationship, into fellowship, into eternal life, into a way of living that is so fulfilling, can I get a little witness from the congregation? So I want to talk to you today about three things on how to make the church great again. I think I'm going to write a book entitled How to Make the Local Church Great Again. Catchy title. The Democrats might not like it, but uh, I love Democrats. I love Republicans. I love everybody. I love the Bible. And anything that's closer to what my Bible says is where I will not only lean, but I will stand. Can I get an amen? amen. That wasn't too strong, but I understand. <laughs> so the church is exploding during this time. In fact, it was so exploding that they evangelized the whole continent of Europe in three years without rapid transit without motorcycles, scooters, airplanes, rapid trains. They just were moving and grooving and they were ticking people off. 
Let me just tell you that God is in charge. And one of the things that is holding us back, and I've just targeted three, I have a bunch, but I would keep you here past lunch. Now that, that was rather poetic. I would keep, you know, I have a bunch. Keep, all right, now, number one, the first thing I want to talk to you about is compromise. Now, I got saved January 3rd, 1967. I was 20 years old. I'm now 73 years old. And uh, life flies by rapidly. But when I got saved, I, I had a radical experience with Jesus. I did a rapid U-turn. I mean, I turned from the world. My girlfriend cut me loose because I wasn't any fun anymore. I quit I was drinking way too much alcohol. I quit alcohol. I was smoking cigarettes. That was before they put on the package, these suckers will give you cancer and kill you. <laughs> but I should have listened to my body when I took the first puff. I started coughing. That, my body was trying to tell me, this is not smart. Right. But then I got radically saved. And like I saw something in, in Mark Gunger that nobody else saw, John Wilkerson saw something in me that nobody else saw. In fact, a few weeks ago, I had a breakfast with one of my classmates from our, our high school uh, class. In fact, we're celebrating our 52nd uh, anniversary, and I, I'm praising God I'm not bringing a walker. <laughs> but anyhow, he said, you know, Arnie, we would have never tagged you for what you're doing and what you have done. He said, I mean, if we made a list of our 130 graduates, and, and if they gave us the option of minister and church builder and writer of books. In fact, my English teacher would probably turn over in her grave thinking I ever did anything like that. But you see, when God sees something in you that others don't see. Now, my father and my future father-in-law, okay, so I, 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 I get, my girlfriend cuts me loose, I go to this church, the pastor invites me, and I spot Jan in the choir. Fine motor scooter. In fact, she was the, sort of the prime girl in that church, and, and I went after her with a vengeance. A couple months into our dating, my father-in-law pulled Jan aside and said, you can do better than that. <laughs> then moi. Can you believe that, Gary? Then moi. But you know, he was worried that I might not stick. And he didn't want his daughter that they had raised on biblical principles from the, from the uh, day she was born right up until she went off to college and graduated from a Bible college with a degree in music. And then this guy comes in, right? But you see, my mother-in-law, bless her heart. Normally the mother-in-laws are more wicked with the guy coming in to fiddle with their daughter than, than the dad is. <laughs> and my mother-in-law said to my father, leave it alone. He's got a teachable spirit. Because I would pick up Jan and we would sit down at the table and she'd be teaching me stuff and I was hungry. I was like a sponge. And uh, I turned out, I think. But you know, my mother said one thing that I'll never forget, and if you get nothing out of this today, this is just one of the points. She said, Arnie, compromise leads to defeat. When you compromise your principles in any way, morally, any way, half-truths, you know, we had, a, we had a woman in my first church, her name was Joyce Simonson. And Joyce would call me all the time. <laughs> I mean, at 2 in the morning, the phone would ring, and she'd say, Pastor, I'd say, hello, Pastor, are you up? No, Joyce, I've been waiting for your call. <laughs> and, and then after a while, I was trying to figure out creative ways to dodge this woman. So, I, so I, the phone would ring, and we knew it was Joyce. So I'd go run and stand in the shower. Now I was fully clothed. 
And Jan could say, oh, Joyce, he's in the shower. <laughs> I mean, come on now. You see what I mean? Now, that's just a little sort of a white save me from a long conversation. I got to tell you what happened. I didn't tell him the first thing. This went on for a long time. Finally, she called me up. It was late, early morning. And she said, and her husband worked third shift. She said, Pastor, I'm going to kill myself. And I said, you know what, Joyce? Maybe you should. <laughs> now, I was young and not real smart and seasoned, but she didn't. And you know what she told me? That was a turning point. Now, it had to be God, because normally you don't say, pull the trigger. You know. <laughs> Are you there? Uh, you know, but the point is, we can't compromise our principles. We can't, can't compromise who we are. Let's turn over to 2 Timothy. If you have your Bibles, otherwise they'll put it up there. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. I charge you therefore before God. Now, when somebody charges you before God, what does that mean? That's a charge. I mean, if you're in the military and you're captain or you learn, I charge you therefore before God, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and at his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned to fables. But you, be watchful in all things, enduring afflictions, do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. If we wanna make the church great again. Now, Jesus is great. But if we wanna see God do massive things, and see, it is my heart and Pastor Mark's heart and any pastor that's worth his salt to see thousands and thousands coming to Christ. You know, people say, I like a small church. That's fine, but small is going to grow if, it, if the principles are there. Now, many people will get to a certain size and they'll go start another church. That's fine. But what's happened? You know, sometimes we can't even separate church people from people who don't know the Lord. You know, we live in a day, and the Bible says there'll come a time when they call right Wrong and wrong white. Right. And we're seeing it today. We're seeing it at every level. We're seeing it in politics. We're seeing it in families. We're seeing it in morality. We're seeing it in all these things. And you know, we are charged to not compromise. There's a great little book, old book, written around the turn of the century called, entitled, What Would Jesus Do? by Shelton. You can find it. It's out of print. And this church came up with a commitment before they did anything. They asked themselves the question, what would Jesus do? And I want to tell you what, if you'll incorporate it, when your kids ask you to do something, what would Jesus do? And you know the word to a degree. Most of you know enough about the word. In fact, I tell people this all the time. Most people in churches today are educated far above their level of performances. They've read books. They've been to seminars. They've been to all kinds of things. And here we are on a Sunday trying to do something new to get them to do what they should do, but they're not. I mean, I travel a lot. In fact, I was going through the airport in Minneapolis a while back, and I, uh, my credit card lets me get into the clubs, and I'm there a lot, and it's very important because you sit in those clubs. And I walked in, and normally they make you to check your ticket and say, well, is that okay? They'll say, hey, just go on in. I know you. But I'm around enough to see what's happening in the church today. 
Statistics are very sad. Let me read a couple of these real quickly to you. 50% of Americans have no church home. Think about that. Now, that's a general statistic. It probably throws in everybody. Now, we probably live in an area where that's not quite that high. But there are a lot of people that don't have a church home. And the reason they've been turned off or something went wrong. One of my neighbors, I shared the Lord with him. In fact, I prayed the sinner's prayer with him in his yard here about a year ago. He, was, he came home from Vietnam. He had come home on leave. His wife got pregnant. They came, he got back in time for the birth. And a, a local hospital here would not take them because they didn't have insurance. And he was of the religion that that hospital is associated with. So he just flushed all religion over that. And I said, you know, religion isn't the church that I built up on the corner. It's not, you know. I said, we were, in his, we were in his garage. I said, Dennis, we could stand in your garage all day long. Doesn't make us a car. Standing in church or calling yourself a name, what makes you a Christian is knowing Jesus. They're out of town or they would have been here today to hear me speak. You know what? If you were starting a business and you found out in your business half of the people didn't have what you have, you could beat McDonald's to the draw, right? Are, are, are you okay today? I hope so. Fewer and fewer people could consider themselves believers who are plugged into a local church. In other words, they come, it's a good looking thing to do, my neighbors see me go, so therefore I'm okay. I can't imagine that. But that's, that's, these are statistics. Every year, 2.7 million church members fall into inactivity. You probably know people that came here when I was here, that have come here since Mark is here, and they're not going anywhere. Or, you know, I've had it, you know. You know, unless you get involved, unless you're one of those 150 workers that work with these kids and ushered and taught a class and, and really got excited and did a small group and had a heart to see the kingdom grow. It's like this handful of people that run the whole show and it, it, it's showing. People are falling out like wild. For every church that's planted in America, and that's starting a new church. I've done a number of them. But starting a new church, for everyone that starts, foreclose. Think about that. We're losing ground. It's time to make the church, the local church, great again. Say that with me. Let's make the local church great again. Amen. You're not quite as excited as the first group, and you got more sleep than they did. 85% of churches have plateaued or are shrinking. It doesn't matter your size. You know, when you're larger, you can hide some of that. 85%, what does that tell you? Something has got to be re-engaged. 50% of all U.S. churches did not add a single new member last year. Sad. And you know what? When you compromise... And you're no different than the guy sitting next to you at work or on the machine next to you. You laugh at the same jokes. You do the same things. You're you know what makes you different? I heard a guy say one time, preach the gospel and sometimes use words. You're, you're an epistle written and read of men and you've compromised to the point. Now, probably not many of you, of course. <laughs> but the reality is, we need to be fired up for God, excited for God, and not compromising, not stepping in the shower when you've got your clothes on and telling somebody you're in the shower. Political civil war going on. There is. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And some of the points of warfare are things that are, is a baby a baby right at conception? People say, well, we got to have a free choice. 
You do have a free choice. Protect yourself. Oh, come on. Most of us are adults in here. I tell you, when that child is conceived, it's no longer your choice. It's another human being. And we got political stuff going on, fighting over that, news media making us look like creeps because we stand for what's right. And compromise. I, I preach in churches, most people know me. I've got the gift of irritation. I tell it how it is. And some people don't like it. I'm sure there'll be people leave today and say, oh, he was a little bit too hot for my blood. I've had guys, that, and I'll preach for them, they'll say, here's the things we want you to stay off, Arnie, because there's people that will be offended. I say, oh my goodness. The gospel is offensive to those who aren't serving God. And it shouldn't be offensive to those of you that are. Let's quit compromise. Let's quit compromising at home with our kids. Last Saturday night, I got a few more minutes this hour, right? I'm not gonna keep you real long, I only got three points. <laughs> but I have a good friend in, in Utah, his name is Blake Murdoch. He and his family own a bunch of car dealerships out there. And Blake and I are great friends. I've had him to this church, He's come back and gone to Packer games, seen his brother, and they are underwear-wearing underwear Mormons. Now, do you know that the, that the Mormons wear special underwear? Did, how many knew that? See, you're getting taught. They call them garments, and it's supposed to protect them. I told Blake, I said, Blake, I don't wear garments, but I do wear Under Armour. I mean, <laughs> hello. But Blake and I, he... He constantly wants me to go to work for him, not selling cars, but doing some other stuff, connecting stuff, and I'm not going to do that. But I was at his house on Saturday. I stayed overnight there. I, I bought a car from him. He beat the best deal I could get in this town by almost $3,000. In fact, one dealer told me he can't do that. He did it. I don't know where he dug the extra dough up, but it was worth me flying out there. Free. I flew free because I got a buddy that's airline pilot. He got me a free ticket, and I flew back. So it cost me one hotel and some gas to save three grand. That was a pretty good deal, and I had my eyeballs hanging on my cheeks for two days, but I made it. <laughs> but I was at his house. He's got five kids. Here's, what the, here's the stand they take. His oldest is 15. He doesn't get a cell phone until he's 18. Oh. They have one computer in his office at home, and his kids sign in for that computer. Now I want to tell you what, I was watching Dr. Phil the other day. You ever watch him? Sometimes he's pretty good. And he was talking about how kids are, and adults are literally addicted to these computer games. They're not out playing baseball. They're, they're, they run home and, and they hunch over the computer for hours. Is that compromise? I think so. You can't even have family time. Are you with me? They have a flip phone when the kid goes somewhere. And you know what, all those, they're happy. And here's a guy that is in a major, what we would call a cult. But they have harmony. They won't compromise. You see, compromise leads to defeat. My mother-in-law taught me that. And I, I won't compromise. I didn't compromise with my kids, and there were years when they hated me. Not hated me. You see, we give in, we compromise to our kids, we compromise at work, we compromise when we fill out our taxes, we compromise our, our stands. Maybe we're politically okay, but if someone says, <laughs> my brother Jerry, Jerry is really a, he comes here, he's for, he is what you would call a northeastern Wisconsin redneck. 
And he was in the gym up in Sturgeon Bay, at, and, and some guy was saying, they were in the, in the locker room after he'd done swimming. He said, anybody vote for Trump in here? Everybody went quiet, except Jerry. He said, I did. And the guy says, you're an idiot. He said, you're a bigger idiot. He said, because the Bible says, you know what I mean? Now, I wonder how many of those other guys had the same opinion he had. Maybe he didn't have the most tact, right? But compromise leads to defeat. Say that with me. Compromise leads to defeat. Secondary. Second thing here, quickly. If we're going to make the church great again, we have to learn to forgive. Forgive. I wrote a book on the high cost of resentment or forgiveness. And I'll tell you very honestly, you can ask Mark about it. Mark endorsed the book, but he was the guy I was ticked at. <laughs> I'm, I'm honest about it. We worked through some tough stuff. I'm not proud of it. I never had resentment in my life, but I got a hold of me, and it, it, it was ruining me. Now, I still function, but I didn't function with all cylinders until I made that email to him, and we, we made things right. And I learned something then, because I never understood that. My friends used to call me the Teflon pastor. But Mark scraped some of my Teflon off, and I had to deal with it. I wrote, I wrote this book. Let me, I, I was interesting, I was thinking about this. You know the Bible talks about demons from Genesis to Revelation? How many knew that? Talks about powers and principalities, Genesis to Revelation. It talks about witches in different spots right through the Bible. Now, have you ever read any Bible stories where the demons were fighting and the witches were fighting against each other and the, and the principalities of evil were fighting against each other? No, you don't find that. They are united in their cause to ruin the church, to ruin your family, to ruin America, to ruin how we live. True, but here we are in the church. Oh, we're good at fighting. There's people that come to this church, don't like me, and they don't even know why. They heard something. One of my friends came in this morning, said, Pastor Arnie, he said, I, I heard a rumor. I said, what's that? No, I said, just fresh. She said, I heard you were coming back to Green Bay to start another church, and your son-in-law, Josh, who is a fabulous worship leader, and he really is, you're going to start another church here. I heard that. Now, where did that smoke come from? I'm 73 years old. I'm not heading to start a church. I'm heading for the funeral home, for God's sake. <laughs> and people believe that garbage. And if, if it were the truth, I'd have said, yeah, we're going to do it. But it's not the truth. We hear all of these kinds of things. We hear rumors about pastors, rumors about leaders, rumors about other denominations, and all we do. And then let's get personal here for a moment. I would say most of you in this room have had some bad stuff done to you. Maybe it's physical. You know, you, you know how it's America now? I was reading in the paper the other day about they got a new list of clergy who were in a particular environment that abused a bunch of kids. It's in the paper. Some of you might have read it. Now, 15, 20 years ago, you read it, oh my God, how awful and it is. It's awful. But we have been desensitized to the point that it doesn't even bother us. Or we don't even think much about it. Why is that? Because we've compromised. We don't want to upset anybody. I'm telling you, bad stuff's happening. Yeah, businesses are building. They're selling tickets. 
sports heroes getting paid unbelievable money. I just had a friend sign with the Bucks, and I'm not a Bucks fan. I'm a Utah Jazz fan. Kyle Korver, who is a phenomenal Christian believer, raises his kids, will not count, uh, compromise, just sign with the Bucks. He's a phenomenal three-point shooter. But you know what? If I had Aaron Rodgers or one of these other sports heroes, and oh, people would flock. We used to have Reggie speak, and we had to beat him away with a stick. You know what? To the average person, these sporting events are more important. It just irritates the socks off me. Can I just vent a little bit? These sporting events, and, and they have them on Sundays. I would have never let, I'd have let my kids play on Saturday, Friday, during the week. But we're not going to play on Sundays. That's the Lord's Day. That's when we want to celebrate as a family. But you know when you, now you, know, you can get mad at me, but I'm just telling you the truth here. When you allow that to happen, you're telling your kids baseball, hockey, basketball, all that stuff's more important than the things of God. Oh, boy. Aren't you glad I'm not your pastor anymore? You don't have to live with this kind of stuff. Huh? You see, but we compromise because we don't want to hurt our little kids. Oh, I remember my daughter brings a football star home. Oh, Daddy, he's handsome and he's a great football player at Preble and he gets straight A's. I don't care. I got my baseball bat out with all the nails in it. I had a come to Jesus meeting with old Brian. Brooke was in the bedroom crying. Are you there? You see, here's the deal. But oh, most people, oh, did you know my daughter? Is, and he scores a lot of touchdowns. And even on the football report on channel two on, at, 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 at 1035, they talk about him. I could care less. She could have dragged Aaron Rodgers home. Wouldn't have bothered to me. Are you with me? Because you can't compromise. Compromise leads to defeat. Oh, I could go on and on. Is there a family with a couple kids in here normally? Uh, <laughs> oh, you're in trouble, buddy. <laughs> a boy and a girl, just what I wanted. <laughs> now, let me ask you a question. What's your name? Glenn. Glenn? What's your boy's name? Braxton. Madison. Madison. Just like the capital, huh? Hmm. Here's the deal. Do you want these kids to serve the Lord? Absolutely. Do you want them to have strong morals? Yes, sir. You do, don't you? Yes, sir. It's up to you and your lovely wife. Don't compromise. No compromise. No compromise. You'll remember this when you ask them, I want to play on Sunday, or I, you know, I want to go to this thing. And she's a real cutie, and the boys are going to come running, and you know what they got on their mind. And they go, oh, man, I know. I was one of those. That, yeah, are you with me? Are you there? I went to one of my daughter dating me when I wasn't saved. I'll tell you that right now. Okay? Compromise. Don't do it. Let's say it again. Let's make the local church great again. Are you ready? Let's make the local church great again. I'm out of time, and I'm two minutes and 25 seconds in the red. Let me finish this real quick. I love the Great Commission. <clears throat> if we're going to make the, great church, the, the church great again, you guys, not Pastor Mark, not Pastor Keith, no, they're part of it. Not any of the other pastoral team like your youth pastor here. What's your first name again? I forget. Ben. Ben, that's a good name. Yeah, <laughs> we always say, well, they're going to do it. They should be doing it on their level. I preached here, I taught here, but I led neighbors to the Lord, people I got to meet in restaurants, because it isn't about a pulpit, it's about a life. And here's what you got to do. You got to start targeting someone. Start there. I do that all the time. Oh, I'm going to get them. But first, I make a friend with them. 
Do you know the guy that I shared the Lord with in his garage? Now, we live in a neighborhood where they cut your grass. They don't cut mine because they don't do it good enough. So I cut his front yard to even up with mine and done stuff for him. And I made a friend. It took me a couple, three months. It opened up the door. You start making friends of people. You start targeting kids. My daughter, Brooke, brought about 150 kids in a couple years to youth group here. A lot of them are serving God today. They, here's the deal. We got to target. We got to get with it. You fill the empty seats. I know it's summertime and people are taking vacations. But the reality is this. When they get back, there shouldn't be any room for them if you'd get off your whatevers and get the job done. Go into all the world. Preach the gospel. Right? And it says, when necessary, use words. I'll close with this. Sometimes people need to see your morals, your ethics, your work ethic, how you raise your family. That in itself will bring people to your doorstep because people are frustrated. Kids are, are getting in drugs, getting hooked on computer games. Kids are getting messed up. And parents are saying, you know, here's the thing. I've lived long enough. And I've seen people who raise their kids the way we did. And I've seen people who, oh, you know. I remember kids telling Brooke, boy, your mom and dad, I won't want to live there. They're too strict. Many of those parents have come to me and said, I wish we'd have raised our kids that way. But they compromised. And so we have, to, we have to get to the point where we start taking this thing seriously. So it can be said about celebration in every other church in this town. They that have turned the world right side up have come to Brown County and points beyond. I want you to stand up. I'm done now. I'm, oh man, five minutes in the red, Becky, but there's not another group coming in. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to respond to each of these three points. What's the first point? Compromise. Compromise. How many of you would say, now, and we don't have to, you don't have to bow your head and close your eyes. Let's be real here. There's some compromise has creeped into your life. Some of you have served the Lord a long time. You're doing stuff now that you wouldn't, wouldn't have thought about a while back. Compromise. And you'd say, you know, Pastor Arnie, I want to deal with it. And I'll put my hand up and say, I want you to pray for me. I want, put that up right now. Come on. All over this building. Look at You see, so the enemy's winning on the compromise front. See, they're united. Every time he gets you to compromise, every time you fold for gospel principles, that united force of demons and witches and principalities and powers is messing with you. Let's kick him in the tail right now. Father, I pray for my friends. I pray for people in this room that maybe don't like me. I can't understand, but I'm with the Lord. Touch them, help them not compromise. What's the second point? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Now, this is a biggie. I watched a thing on TV, and that is okay, Becky, just a couple more minutes. This is very important. It's the University of Wisconsin in Madison is doing a thing in their psychological department. There are people that are so full of hatred for an event in their life that it really affects almost every day of their life. Some of you might be in that boat. This particular, what they do is they bring these people in and they'll admit, I got this thing, I can't lay it down. This particular lady, she's a teacher, school teacher, probably in her mid-30s, and her brother was killed in a, by a drunken driver. He got convicted of vehicular manslaughter, and he's in Wapan. They then, after they counseled her, took her to Wapon, and they counseled the guy first to meet with the guy. And she melted. She looked beyond his fault 
a songwriter wrote that one time and saw his need and it freed her the day I sent Mark Unger an email a number of years ago and Mark emailed me back it was like this huge weight was lifted off me how many of you say I got stuff I say I forgive but when I hear their name or something happens bam it comes right back at me how many want that defeated in their life raise your hand right now See, enemies winning on another front. See, that's why we're not getting done what we should. Let's pray. Father, I pray right now that forgiveness. Jesus looked at the thief on the cross and said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He looked into the eyes of the soldiers as they tore his garment apart, cast lots for it, and said, Father, they don't know what they're doing. These, that drunk that hit her brother, who started him drinking? Who served him too much? You see, that's a trickle-down thing that's a killer. Now, Lord, set these people free. And finally, how many of you really want to get active and will target someone at work or in your neighborhood or, or a friend and say, you know, I don't want them to go to hell. Hell's a real place. How many know that? Some of you might have been here when I preached a message, what the hell ever happened to hell? We don't hear much about hell anymore, right? Come on. What's the last term you heard a good sermon? Oh, we talked about hell in church today. It was wonderful. No. How many say, you know what? I'm going to get with it. I'm going to commit right now. You know, I'm going to tell you what. See, the demons, they don't want you to share the gospel. They know it's powerful, much more powerful than them. That's a good number of you. If you didn't have the strength to raise your hand by the time you leave this place, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get them. Lord, just pour out a spirit of compassion and love for the lost. Maybe that person who hurt you needs Jesus. So now, Father, we commit to it. And if there's anyone here that doesn't know Christ as their Savior, you're going to take communion, and the symbols are great, but the reality is this. You confess with your mouth, you believe in your heart, Jesus comes in, right? So you do that as Becky leads us. Let's say it one more time. Are you ready? Just like at the, at the boxing match where he comes out with, with his penguin suit and it comes down. But we're going to say, let's make the local church great again. Let's do it. Let's make the local church great again. All right. God bless you.